Ghost of Akishima. Avengers Assemble Players IP Addresses. Every time. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host for episode 217, Brett Beck. And alongside me, as has been for the last <coughs> few weeks filling in for the venerable Saul, is Mr. Chris Figs, as you may know him. <laughs> if you listen to the movie podcast that we do every week, Midweek Matinee, which you can check out, and uh, we were recently covering Fast and Furious series. But enough about that. We're here to talk about games, not movies. Chris. Yeah. Hey. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm great. I'm aggressively happy to be here. Aggre- I'm aggressively happy. <laughs> I just want you to know. Yeah. Everyone should know that I'm aggressively happy to be here. <laughs> oh, man. From what <laughs> I've seen from people, they've been enjoying you on the show. So if you have fond words for chris and want to give feedback about how he's doing on the show please feel free to flood my inbox the discord wherever and give chris a shout out he is doing a great job filling in for saul and having good fun longer episodes too so i think for those of you who like that uh there's a little hidden benefit in here (laughs) so mm -hmm, (laughs) but uh gotta start the show off the right way Mm-hmm. And since Saul's not here to say it, uh, I'll let you. This is lucky number. 216? 217. I came so close. <laughs> this is my show. I don't know. <laughs> I know it's so funny because like, the first time you sent it over, you were like, this is like 261, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, not even It's close. more interesting that you listen to this show. It just goes to show how much people don't really look at the number. It's more like, this is the new episode. It doesn't really matter where we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, if it makes you feel any better, for a long time we had trouble keeping up with it. Oh, I bet. I'm not, so, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just one of those things you go long enough and it's like, that's ah, just like 200 something. It doesn't really matter. At yeah. this point, 207 feels the same as 280 because it's just a lot of episodes. Well, I get it, especially with like with midweek. We don't even label them. It's just, you know, movie title from midweek matinee. So Which I while, think is smart. <laughs> it is, but every once in a while, I'm like, I wonder how many episodes we've done, and then I got to count all the folders in my edit in my edit folder. <laughs> <laughs> nice peek behind the scenes. Yeah, Chris, what did you play this week, man? What you been up to? Um, I haven't actually played a ton of different games. It's been mostly MLB, Apex, um, but then I've played Scarlet Nexus, Dungeons and nice. Dragons, Dark Alliance, and State of Decay Two. So you have a hot take that I think is a good thing to start into here. Oh, yeah? Just because I find it interesting, and I know that there's a, a lot of talk around it. Um, you have a hot take on D&D Dark Alliance. Um, oh, yeah. That I think you think fun. the game is fun, yeah. Yeah, but it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awful game, and you shouldn't pay for it. But it's really cool <laughs> for $0. Yeah, so if that didn't clue you in, yeah, he's using Game Pass <laughs> to play it. Yeah. Uh, which kind of brought up an internal discussion on our little private Discord that we have yeah. um, about Game Pass and how shifted it is from a quantity versus quality perspective. And I know that's actually like a, a, a decent thing in at least the online communities of looking at it. And I think it's interesting because I think people get up in arms really quick and take that to mean that there are no good games on there. Right. 
And I think it's such a weird place for people to come at. And I get that it's because everything is so reactive uh, when you're on the internet and you're seeing people say something. Normally, it is an ill faith thing that's being said when you're in the hottest parts of the internet, like a lot of Twitter and whatnot. And it's a lot of these people who are just diehard fans and say the craziest stuff and backtrack when it's when it's beneficial to them and then double down whenever they were halfway right about something. And I don't think it's, in my opinion, that's of course important here, same for you. In my opinion, I don't find that to be completely wrong, mm-hmm. um, but I guess it depends to what you mean by quality. And I think that's the interesting thing across the board. But if we're going to talk about it, I think to some degree, when you're saying that, right? Because yeah. that was the, the, your side of the argument. What do you judge as a quality game versus a game that may be good? Mm-hmm. Anywhere from anywhere from decent, you know, anywhere from bad really to good. You know, where where does quality really hit for you, and where do you think the line for Game Pass should be? Out of curiosity. I mean, it's a hard question, right? Because I think Game Pass can be whatever it wants to be, but I think at a certain point you have to start questioning if you have to question whether some of these games are worth putting on your service like is dungeons and dragons worth having day one i don't really think that it is i don't think that a broken mess that i'm only enjoying because i like bad things is something that you should be advertising your service with yeah and i think the difference is that it's not a first party output which you'd hope so because you don't want a first party output being broken but even if it is, you didn't go out and buy that to be day one on your service. And I think that's the big thing of looking, right? If you're looking specifically at that game, for people who are looking at it as Microsoft went out to a third party and said, hey, we want your game on our service day one. Mm-hmm. Here's a lump sum of cash, and we're going to use this as essentially advertisement for why you should be on Game Pass. Yeah, uh, And I think because Blake in our uh, group chat, the ghost of Blake Post has posted this thing where we're talking about the metacritic scores of game pass right and my quick math is above an, a 75 on metacritic there's about 208 games and then there's 256 games that are 75 or below on yeah. on game which pass. i thought was funny because in a way depending on it where you draw point. the line at quality <laughs> it proved your point exactly yeah. because my thing is i think game pass would be a better service and probably save microsoft money if it didn't have 256 games that that aren't worth playing and i should like a 75 to a 79 has their place even even games below that has their place but are you is that worth being on your service that's my point you know yeah and i think you are right at this point they are looking at it and i don't think they will be in the future and i think to a degree that speaks to what we're talking about is that even microsoft's aware they're only doing this because as many games as they can get right now to allure the biggest group of people to hopefully subscribe and then stay subscribed Mm -hmm. is just get as many games as you can regardless of the exact quality and you're right in the future the actual frugal thing to do i wasn't even afraid frugal but the most fiscally responsible thing to do for that service and get you the best money's worth from microsoft if they were actually worried about that would be to hire curate your games and make sure that what you're spending is something that people play and go wow how crazy is it that i have this good of a game at this price per month as a bare minimum instead of having that open window that there is right now to say well you know it's a good deal because it's $10 a month or $15 a month for Ultimate. 
so this game, you know, it's still cool that I'm getting to play it, but this isn't necessarily the reason that you go, hey, you need to get Game Pass. Yeah. Um, um, I never would have played Dungeons and Dragons had it not been on Game Pass. So take that for what you will. But I look at an example from just this week, right? Like there were all those rumors that Scarlet Nexus was a day one Game Pass game. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, so I bought it on, on PS5. I would have bought I would have played that game through Game Pass. And to me, I look at it as could you have gotten Scarlet Nexus if you hadn't gotten Dungeons and Dragons? Maybe. Yeah. And sure. so why did you spend the money on Dungeons and Dragons? Probably because it's called Dungeons and Dragons. That's the only reason, right? It's a game with a hot name that they're like, hey, maybe people will buy our service to play this. And they're probably right. But when you look at it from an outside in and you see, you know, someone like Skill Up saying it's the worst game they've ever played, or someone like ACG who's like, hey, maybe you shouldn't buy this. Yeah. Uh, why? Why is that on your service? Like, why is that? A, why are you looking at me and you're like, new game this week, Dungeons and Dragons, Dark Alliance. It has a 37 on Metacritic. Like, how does that sell your service? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you're right. I mean, even more than just it being a D and D name, right? It's a it's a Dark Alliance in name, which that that name carries so much love from a specific subset of games from the PS2 era that had a huge fan base. And I and I'll tell you, even I was interested in that game specifically because of the promise that it may be a new take on the Dark Alliance games I love so much. And even if I get somewhere close to that feeling, it'd be pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like at least right now. From what you were saying, the game's fixable. Like you oh, know, yeah. most of its problems aren't inherently a bad game. It's more that there's a lot of random bugs and broken mess that, if it was fixed up, would make for a better yeah. game. Because so the loot, the loot loop, and that kind of stuff, I think is really rewarding. I like going back and seeing all the loot I got and that stuff. But yeah, and you're a big fan of pumping numbers, as we talk yes. about all the time. So huge numbers. A loot, a loot loop like that is exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And uh, before anyone yells at me, I was making up the Metacritic score, but Dark Alliance currently has a 55 on Metacritic, and funny enough, the user score is 3.7. So I kind of, was kind of right about it. <laughs> <laughs> half and half. Yeah. Now, I, I will say, this is a quick moment to kind of play devil's advocate for a game that I know both you and I love, yeah. but the same question could be po- could be posed to Sony in this regard, Sure. that in a similar sense, if the goal for Game Pass <clears throat> is to look and be like, you know, you're going to make it look like even more of a value then Sony's goal is to not make their service look like a value, but to make their system look like a value by saying, this is what you can only play on our system with their exclusives, right. which is their primary, um, you know, I guess, tactic. That's kind of what they play off of. We want you to play all games on this system, but we want you to know that when you buy our system, you're also going to play this top tier set of games. And mm-hmm. people can look at a game like Days Gone, which is critically very strange <laughs> and, uh, and and say similar things and I think it's a fair argument as much as I may love the game I think it's perfectly fair for someone to look and question and go well if you know Sony wants to make these great games that people look at and go I can only play it there then isn't days gone a moment where they should maybe think we don't need to put this out I'm glad they did yeah. but I guess there is a, a relatively strong argument to maybe they shouldn't have definitely since they don't seem keen on wanting to continue forward with it well I guess the difference there in my opinion would be that days gone seems to be one of the very few misses in Sony's first party catalog right if you consider it that like I've said I think on the show I think it's the best game of last gen yeah but, it's a great game 
but when you know let's say let's say in your opinion it's the worst one but then you have god of war horizon the uncharted collection all this kind of stuff you know i think it balances out where you know with sony i guess my main point would be they have less bad games than they have good games but sure. on game pass they have significantly more bad games than they have good games on the service or, or bad to middling if right nothing else. to yeah. middling it's, it's, and it's, I, I think your point too like you know i don't i'm not really drawn to game pass uh much as clearly i don't play mine but i can say one of the things i played this week and the reason i even re-upped my game pass and took advantage <laughs> of their little i won't call it a loophole but their uh thing to where if you have game um if you have games with gold or xbox live gold and you upgrade to game pass it converts all of your gold yeah. to game pass mm-hmm. so there was a deal on new egg um for 50 dollars for a year so i bought two of those and then i haven't had game pass in so long on my account that it re-offered me the one dollar upgrade oh, and wow. that one dollar upgrade means that i don't have to pay for game pass again until like 2024 oh nice so for you know for a hundred bucks, so I went ahead and did it because I'm sure I'll end up getting some kind of use out of it, uh, and the use it. I've been getting out of it has been Sea of Thieves again, which is excellent. I think Sea of wow. Thieves is a fantastic game. You're playing Sea of Thieves and you haven't invited me. Heard? Oh, I'm definitely okay. going to, but I've only played twice, and it was with a, a friend group. But trust me, you're on my mind because I know that you were wanting to get back into it. I do. I want to see Jack Sparrow. Yeah, the first we only done the first mission of the pirates of the caribbean stuff but it's really good yeah. uh, but yeah that see so i i do like the service but i do wonder myself you know people look at ps now and have complaints about ps now and i agree i think a lot of ps now you could ask the same question of, right. uh, are these games really needed here well, so if you want to kind of look at the mirror but there is a part of me that wonders how much more i might actually be pulled to game pass if they took 70 of their games that are below a 75 mm-hmm. and just never would have done them to begin with but gave me 10 more top tier games right that's like you know my point. can that budget could that budget have worked around and i'm curious i assume they have numbers that on their side show them that people still at least to some degree want those smaller titles but i'm i'm curious if their adoption rate would actually be higher if they cut their number of games by a little bit and then also uh, up their games. And the other thing we should say is that Game Pass never has like more than 200 titles at a time. So even this 400 that you're saying is just across the life of the service. What have they? What have the games that have been on there rate? You know, um, commercially speaking. But gotcha. It's just it's interesting. I I wonder how much more their uh, stuff could have been had they had more. Um, let's see if they would have had more Scarlet Nexuses or even honestly bigger games. I mean, they've had plenty, so I'm not, they've had Metro Exodus as a day one. I think they had Shadow of the Tomb Raider as a day one. There's a lot of games that are big that they've gotten. I'm just curious if they would have gotten more of those, how much quicker would it have been and would it be turned around to profitable sooner? I just think that there's, I just, I think Game Pass is a great service. But I think when we sit here and talk about it's the best service ever or it's the best thing I that that whatever all these this hyperbolic stuff and it's like most of the stuff is things you don't want to play. That doesn't mean there's nothing good on there and that doesn't mean it's not a great value. It does mean that like we say with movies all the time, right? I think let's use like Fast 8 for an example because that's what we just said. I think we both found time of that movie that we could cut, right? Yeah. 
and we both loved that movie i think it's number three for me and i think around the same for you in terms of the fast and the furious as a franchise but we have small issues where it's like you could cut the fat and this movie would be better and it's the same thing with game pass cut the fat and then i have nothing to complain about true yeah I think that's a fair way to look at it as well. And the reality is, is that Game Pass will become that eventually. Yeah, of course. They're just in this stage where, for whatever reason, they think that offering more and more games, uh, even games that people normally wouldn't try mm-hmm. on their own dime, and even if they don't love it, they go, well, I didn't put any money in it, so this you know, this 68 of a game is even better to me. You know, yeah. I think that there's a strong argument for Biomutant on a service like that. Right. As much as Absolutely I love the is. game and I'm okay with it, I think Biomutant would do really well being day one on something like X, uh, on Game Pass. So, yeah. and it, it doesn't mean that it's suddenly a better game. No. and But it uh, means that people are going to enjoy it in a different way. And maybe there is a pull to that. So, I mean, well, maybe we should... I, I don't know what Biomutant actually currently stands at, but, you know, I've, I've said multiple times I don't think Metacritic is all that valuable, to be honest. I mean, it, I mean, it's an average of review scores, so take it for what you will, but I just think... Biomutant at a 64. There you go. I mean, the service, the service is one of those things, like, do you want it to be a repository for mediocre games and your best stuff? Maybe that's fine. Maybe that's what you want. Because I'll tell you what, I, I had fun with Dark Alliance. I probably won't play it again because see, I have State of Decay, so I'll just play that. Yeah. But if I had paid for Dark Alliance, I never would have had fun. I would have been pissed off that I wasted $40. But I wasted 20 minutes of downloading the game. Yeah. So it's a different, yeah. it's a different bar. So, you know, you could make the argument that even the biggest piece of garbage game on the service is fun because it costs you $0.00. You know, but I still just don't think that is a good selling point, personally. Yeah, and like I said, like you know, one of the big complaints I had are you know things I think that they should work on if they ever mess. Well, really, with whatever game they do next over at Experiment One Hundred One, uh, Biomutants, I think biggest problem is that because it's a sixty dollars game that was delayed for so long and eventually came out, there's expectations that are just built with the price and for the wait. Uh, I think it'd be better if it was a. 40 to 50 dollar game and if the game would have been announced and released within like a three month window but it wasn't and so since the game is a little slow to start and a little slow to feel like you're actually getting somewhere you end up having this feeling of like oh you know i I don't know if i want to stick with this and i've put money into this and i think when you put money into something you get that buyer's remorse where it's like well if i if i turn around and sell it right now i might be able to get the max money that i can get out of it uh before it drops because everybody realizes it's not worth it but if you play it on game pass where there's no money that goes down a little bit and it doesn't mean that you don't notice the game's slow but you don't have that buyer anxiety behind it i I mean it's interesting i'm curious to see how game pass really works out (laughs) in the long term but it's a it's an interesting thought process uh because we all know it's it's definitely not going to be what it is right now forever it just can't be Um, the value proposition has to shift eventually in microsoft's favor yeah, we'll see how that actually will. plays out. <laughs> yeah. And if balanced right, it can be. I mean, a lot of people still love Netflix, even though mm-hmm. Netflix has very much relied on their own content at this point. Yeah, so I think I think Game Pass is going to get to the point where it's the same with Netflix, where it's kind of like, why do what I, you know, I just finished Ozark season 18, so I'm going to cancel, but it's at a certain point, it's like, well, I still want to have Netflix just in case. Mm-hmm. I want to rewatch The Flash. You know, so I think Game Pass will be the same thing where people will just have it because 
maybe one day there'll be something there and it's easier to continue paying than cancel every other month you know sure definitely as games take on this games as a service thing so we'll we'll definitely see how that goes um so is that all you played this week um no it was state of decay and scarlet nexus how's scarlet nexus so far with what you've played? i really like it it's a lot of fun nice i know that we were kind of talking about it <clears throat> on a little bit of bated breath to some degree um yeah. and it, it's Wait. nice to see that you're liking it yeah i saw i was on the fence because like i said i i thought it was a game pass game so that was my intention um and then i saw a bunch of like solid reviews for it so i was like all right screw it i'm i'm throwing Take dive in. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks That's, it looks like a ton of fun and so far it is i'm i've started with the uh the female character which i do in every game yeah um so yeah i'm really enjoying it the story's fun the characters are great God. so it's reminding me that i still need to go play code vein which i have sitting there packaged <laughs> like wrapped yeah. in my game my little games holder over there i always think I about bought it on that. sale and i never ended up buying it i mean i never ended up starting <laughs> it which is kind of what got me and i still want to play that game i've just been so having a hard time of it lately yeah. of getting able to really sit i did platinum biomutant so i mean I'm, I'm kind of getting around thank you yeah. uh i'm i'm very very likely to platinum ratchet and this weekend i kind of gave myself a break yeah um, spent more like time it. playing Sorry, ratchet's Ra- really fun so far yeah and it sounds like it's supposed to be very easy to platinum like the i was listening to a podcast about it and they're saying it basically just tells you how to get everything <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even that was true of the PS4 one as well. They're never challenging Platinums, but I've heard people say it's even easier than the PS4 one. Yeah, um, that's what so I've heard. It's like a 12-hour Platinum. Yeah, I've seen 12 to 15, which is pretty totally short. cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is good. I like achievable Platinums, but I also sometimes <clears throat> like a Platinum that requires some work. Yeah. Like, it, I, the biggest thing that's interesting about games right now, and, and even open-world games, uh, and this is a big... I know I keep going back to Biomutant, but this is also one of the things I think the game gets wrong, um, is that there is a really fun, interesting, unique (coughs) game in there. Yeah. But the way that they go about having the game tell you what to do, it seems like it overly guides you in one direction, and then you end up doing all the world eaters last. And I feel like it feels so hand-holdy that unless you're just a natural i'm going to explore you don't end up exploring everything and it wasn't if it wasn't for me going for the platinum some of yeah. the most interesting and fun things in the game and just unique and charming i would have completely missed out on so oh, really i'm really glad i decided to do it even though it took like an extra maybe 10 hours of gameplay for me because i found some really cool stuff that i absolutely would have missed otherwise and that may not be true for everyone but i think it speaks to the degree of it's a big game with a lot of stuff in some ways but i think the game doesn't let you actually know that i think it's a little deceptive at times where you it feels even emptier than it actually is and it's just interesting but uh yeah sometimes it's it's interesting that going for a platinum can completely change the way you feel about a game Mm -hmm. i went from really liking it by rolling credits and being like you know i liked it it was good it could be great with this this or this and by the time i platinum it i was like it's almost great like it's it's right so there close. on the precipice yeah. yeah and i really think it's and it, it made me be like i would like to see a sequel so that this one idea is not wasted on a fairly mediocre title that i'm still enjoyed so by the time i platinum it i was like ah they really need to do a sequel and they can do this this and this and i had a much better feel for what needed to be done and what i think will be done should the game sell enough to move a sequel but it's interesting the platinum runs sometimes 
it, it's like I said, it's fun to have a game that's easy, like um, mm-hmm. like Ratchet. But sometimes it's fun to have a game like Days Gone, where it's like explore yeah. everything. So what's and your let most game uh, tell you? What's your most satisfying platinum? Do you think? Ooh, it's either a tie between Terraria. Yeah, that makes sense. Or realistically. Just because I think it's an even harder platinum than Bloodborne by far yeah, is Mortal Shell, and I know I bring that up yeah. all the time, but that dude, that no shell run is no joke. Dude, I won't even go for it because <laughs> I remember I remember like coach like sorry encouraging you through it, being like, dude, just go for it, you can get it, and you finally did. So I was very happy for you on that one. Hey, and I'm not gonna lie, man, your little your little pep talks were helpful. <laughs> I still, I was at that point, I'd kind of reached a stubbornness where I'm like, I'm going to get it because I've already done so much time. Yeah. I've sunk, I've, it's the sunken time fallacy. Yep. yep. <laughs> where it's like, I have to do it now because <clears throat> I've sunk so much time into it, even though it really wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> well, that's, but that's what like, I was saying to Blake about Dirt 5, where for that game, you have to get a thousand miles driven. And I'm gonna I'm close to beating the game at like 300. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not going to let it go. Like, I'm not going to have a freaking 99% trophy on my list. I'm going to get the platinum because I've I already know, done it. I don't know, man. That's where I'm at on Near Replicant. I'm, I have one trophy left that's just going to require grinding that is going to make me not as in love with the game again. And I mean, I'm fair. kind of struggling between, like, you know, do I... Do I want to have a worse memory of the game due to forcing myself to do something so I have a completion? I don't know. See, I, I think it was it was different. It was just it's different because even though it was a struggle and it was really challenging, the no shell run and mortal run felt like a fun challenge. Whereas yeah. the one trophy I have left in near feels fun. like just BS grind because we wanted to make a challenging trophy, not not a challenging experience start to finish just a hey we're gonna make a really low drop rate item to where you have to upgrade all weapons and some of the items are really hard to get yeah so it's just inherently different i think Mm -hmm. well i mean that it's for me it's always one of those things where like getting the platinum is its own reward so like san andreas is one that comes to mind of one that i was kind of struggling with by the end but like actually popping it is like ah better than sex sometimes gonna be honest with you <laughs> it feels an awful lot like coming <laughs> it, you know what the tro- trophies keep coming and they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming <laughs> <laughs> all right um we are going to go ahead and jump in i don't think i played anything else um besides, no. besides starting ratchet i mean i just haven't had much time for anything else uh, I have yeah, things I'm busy curious bee. about still, but yeah, I, I'm trying to be a little less, but it's it's hard. But it's kind of just how it is, so I get it. I do it to myself. I can't be upset. Yeah. But, but we're going to go into the community's take, and uh, last week's episode at the end, Chris and I got into a conversation about whether or not, um, or really, I guess, what the value, potential value of game directors being on their own games cover art as kind of marketing material and what that would bring uh before we actually get into the answers one thing i thought was uh interesting is i knew that there was other examples but we just kind of weren't bringing them up and um 
It's interesting. I've even thought of one myself. So the one I thought afterwards, which was interesting because it wasn't a game director, but it was a movie director's name on a game. <laughs> I don't know uh, if you ever saw Jericho. About, oh, okay, never mind. Clive Barker's Jericho. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure there's another one. Did you have one come to mind? I was thinking of that. I, I couldn't remember the name. It was that Steven Spielberg like box game from the original Xbox. And I can't remember what it was called. Sorry. I don't know if I know what you're talking about. I'm gonna, I'll find out. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but someone else had uh, had brought up Sid Meier's. I think it was Josh Ayers, one of our patrons and longtime friends. Um, yeah, and that is a good point. Uh, Sid Meier's is one of those people where you see his you see his name anytime you play a game, even if he's not actually related anymore to the games because uh, he's retired. It's like his name gets to carry on in that legacy, which is interesting because I feel like it actually kind of goes against what we're talking about because in a way you're being lied to. <laughs> Yeah, you're being told it's. I mean, you're not, but you are. You're being told it's Sid Meier's, and it is his franchise that he started. <coughs> well, that's it. It's his. Um, it's his idea, you know. Yeah, Tom Clancy never wrote any books about bro shooters shooting aliens, but yeah, and see, Tom September. Clancy was the other one that brought up for me is even though he doesn't work on the games or even necessarily write directly on the games, mm. when any game is inspired by his work or adapted from his work it's basically oh tom clancy's blank 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 yeah <laughs> um i mean but i can think of a bunch i can think of jade raymond michelle ansel um ken levine miyazaki uh, people that you think should be on it or that are well that are currently like you know we know nothing about um ghost game i think that's what they're called ghost games or something like that whatever ken levine studio is see that's my thing is i don't know what his studio is called but i know that a ken you levine game is coming yeah you know and that was kind of my point where we'll get into the questions but i guess we can talk about it after because i feel like it it'll make sense afterwards <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um okay let's see i've got the discord ones pulled up i need to go quickly pull up the facebook ones yeah. thankfully it's not too challenging to do that S steven spielberg um was the creative director on the boom blocks game that was what i was thinking about. oh really yes i did not know that B i boom know boom blocks, blocks is a is an action puzzle game developed in conjunction with steven spielberg wow okay yeah. i mean interesting more than anything because i yeah. don't feel like i immediately think of him when i see that no but i mean i assume that he was just the uh, creative mind behind it yeah. and he was uh, also like a lot of the medal of honors like frontline i don't know i just yeah. find it interesting yeah. Frontline's great. I think it's not as surprising when you see a movie director's name come in. I mean, it's interesting because you don't normally see it in gaming to that degree. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to see that. Uh, so the community state question, like we said, is would you like to see game directors' names be put on the cover of their games? Would it move the needle for you to buy a game if you saw a director you liked on the cover? Or would it make you pay attention to a director's game after playing one that did have their name on the cover? And we got a slew of different answers. It's pretty interesting. Um, one of them is one of our longtime listeners and patrons, Mr. No Fate, Sean One Neo. He says, I like Kojima and Metagur Solid. I was very intrigued by PT, but I've never been interested in playing Metal Gear Solid 5 or Death Stranding. So while I might be intrigued by a name, I can't say printing it on a cover guarantees a sale. I believe six, a successful uh, writers sorry, deserve more credit. And he posts a picture of uh, Amy Hennig and, um, and Kojima. I mean, and, uh, I'm not going to argue that writers deserve more credit. 
Yeah. Well, I think it, I think it depends on the game, right? I think some yeah. games are inherently not very written. Like they have yeah. writers because they have to have some kind of beat that moves you from point A to point B, or at least a lot of games think that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, I think it's really interesting when a game is just like, yeah, there's no point. You just play. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a bold move in another direction, and I think it really shows confidence in your gameplay. I think the few times I've really seen a game have no real writing and just be like, "Here's what's going on, and this is what we're doing." Like I, I bring I brought this game up before, but uh, Cell Factor Psychokinetic Wars didn't really have any kind of story. It was just a multiplayer game, but it was just you knew that there was like surface level lore because you have people jumping around with powers but they don't explain why they have powers or anything it's just have fun have fun in a weird game with weird powers with fun gameplay mm-hmm. yeah there's something to it no, like um it. let's see which ones do you have access to i'm gonna let you pull some off too um i have discord yeah go ahead and grab one off discord i'll, uh, I'll get facebook situated jahuti md says uh to a certain extent i think having a certain director attached to the project and being displayed on the cover makes me at least very curious about the game and likely to at least give it a shot. Movies already do this, so why not games? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, I get it. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Um, one What's I thought next? was really interesting, and this <clears throat> one's over on Facebook, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of different ones, so it's it's, it's pretty interesting. There's, there's a couple of ones I specifically want to get to because I think that they're more towards the side of not. Uh, one right here, though, Derek Porter, one of our patrons, he says, I don't think it influences my purchases because I simply don't know game directors, mm-hmm. except maybe Kojima. I can't speak for the broader gaming audience, but I have a feeling that is the case more often than not. So I wouldn't think it would drive game purchases. And I think I agree but I think the one thing that could come from it, Derek, and why it would be an interesting prospect, or at least like a small test run for a year or two, would be to see if it starts having more casual gamers become more intimately aware of who is making games that they like and giving them a little bit more of a, now that I know that, I'm instinctually going to be looking at that name on a box and be more intrigued when I see it. And I don't think it's guaranteed. I do agree with him on the sense that I don't think the the majority of the gaming audience knows uh, the majority of directors. I think Kojima is a a big exception. (laughs) But what do you think, Chris? Um, so okay, I'll 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 go into my little (laughs) thing here. Is I feel like everyone is answering the question, and even maybe we were last week we were talking about it from a like today you know mindset. And I think the thing with what I was really thinking is that I'm talking like 10 years in the future, right? If we start today and let's say there's a Chris Figueroa game and a Brett Beck game that come out every two years and you prefer a Figueroa game when you know my game is coming, that'll be exciting and that will continue to build even throughout the world. Like, you know, that's kind of where I'm thinking of is like right now there's not many. So people are like, yeah, well, I mean, it wouldn't matter because I don't know anybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, where, I get what you mean. Definitely looking more towards the future of once it's common practice for a, a generation. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the first Martin Scorsese movie, I'm sure people weren't jerking off to it like they are now whenever he releases a screenshot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sure. I think that's the same thing where if we can get to a point where, 
oh, there's a Ken Levine game or, oh, Respawn's next game. Like, just because I think that there are some directors who can have the same cachet doesn't mean that studios won't have cachet either. You know, I'm going to buy any game Respawn gives me day one because of how much I love Apex. You know what I mean? But I'm also going to buy Ken Levine's next game day one because I like Bioshock. And I think that's kind of the point, right? Is like, what's the defined role? You know, I think Apex, especially as a competitive online free-to-play shooter, is more of a team thing. Where if you look at a condensed, and I'm being, I mean, I don't mean to be disparaging when I say this, but when you look at like a condensed story-based single-player focused game that is written and conceptualized by one person, yeah, I think that should be. This is a Ken Levine game. This is a Chris Figueroa game. This is a Kojima game. This is a Miyazaki game. This is a Suda 51 game, you know, because I think that sells it as much as this is Naughty Dog's next game. Yeah. And even with Naughty Dog, you know, this is a Neil Druckmann game or, you know, this was an Amy Hennig game. I, I, I did, you know, so that's just, and if you don't, to your point, like if you don't, there's still the studio name cachet. Exactly. Like, you don't have to know Neil Druckmann, though that can be an extra level of excitement to where even within a single studio, you come to understand which directors you prefer more. Yeah. Uh, if it's I, a studio like Insomniac that has multiple creative directors. Because mm-hmm. um, I guess uh, this, this, this might be a weird analogy, right? But, like, everyone loves to complain about Jeff Bezos. And they're like, Bezos doesn't let his employees take bathroom breaks or whatever it is. But Bezos is is just the dude in front of Amazon, you know. Bezos isn't the one making any decisions, but we like to credit everything negative to him. And I think that's the same kind of thing that we can do here where, yes, there's a team of people behind them, but the guy who represents them and who leads them is the guy that you want to, at least in my opinion, you want to look for and take stock of. And that's just a guy who's important, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because, like you say, I think at the end of the day, you're kind of actually persuading me more against it (laughs) in an interesting way because I was kind of moving towards being interesting, seeing them do it. But looking at it more like that, I think kind of going the broader sense of like looking for a name of someone who takes, you know, even if it's a group project, whatever they take all the good and all the bad from it. I think it's interesting because in a sense, I think Bezos is not necessarily the best example, but I think that there's a great example or a great number of examples of people who are unjustly given credit or unjustly given, what do you even want to call that? The, <laughs> the inverse of credit, like essentially uh, given vitriol for something yeah, that sure. they didn't necessarily do. Um, but because they're the spearhead, they have to answer for them. And I, I get it. Like, you know, when people get mad and say like a good example on the podcast would be when people are like, Oh, Phil Spencer did this, this, and this, or Xbox does this, 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 and this screw Phil Spencer. It's like, well, Phil Spencer may have made that decision. He may not have, he may have, he, the decision may have just made, been made separate from him. And he's, Yes, he's at top of the company, and yes, he's the face given so that you have someone to point this stuff to, both praise and vitriol, you know, because everyone always praises Phil Spencer as the Game Pass person. And for all mm. we know, Game Pass could be entirely Phil Spencer's brainchild and baby, and it may not be, but he's going to get all the benefits and praise for it because that's he's the face of it. 
And if anything ever goes wrong with Xbox, he's going to get the the grunt of it as well. Because when we saw Xbox raising the price for Xbox Live Gold, he was very pointed out. Because yeah. regardless of whether the decision was actually actively made by him and passed down, or if it was made by a team that he appointed or whatever, he is the name behind it. But it, it's interesting. I think that there's room for that, but I think people get far too into it. So I don't know that I want I don't know. I don't know that I want a game to end up a turd and then someone being like, this director sucks. I think that they absolutely should, though. Why wouldn't you hold their feet to the fire? This is an interesting thing, right? To a degree, yeah. I I do agree. Like I said, to a degree. But a good example is how, and this isn't necessarily a director, but you know, we were talking about the, the great debate. Uh, channel earlier when uh, before we started recording yeah and one of the things i thought was interesting and i remember the whole story was that the silent hill um like the last couple of silent hill games and also silent hill two and three remaster um the name that was getting thrown around the industry as being the reason that it sucked was tom hewlett Uh because he was a producer uh and for whatever reason, his name got to be the thing that was blown up. And sometimes it really doesn't come down to that person. You know, if you really look super into it, almost all of the things that really went wrong with it shouldn't have been accredited to Hewlett anyway. He was a producer. He had a little bit of say in some things. But a lot of the time it was him trying to balance poor decisions that Konami was passing down and gave him little room. So it was like, do you want a job? And do you want to try and use the job you have to make the best thing you can out of a list of impossible demands and sometimes i feel like that's what's going to happen so i don't know i I think it's interesting um but here's an interesting one unless you have something you want to say to that if you do feel free that's fine um i think it's just an interesting what if i I don't think it's it's ever across the board but um this one's pretty interesting because i think it kind of speaks to what you were talking about earlier uh rude days 93 one of our patrons he says think it'd be a great idea especially now game directors moving studio to studio also some game directors may have a kojima situation with their bosses and have to leave the company and if those games directors don't have the cloud of kojima they may get lost in the shuffle their name on a case might give them the recognition to build their fandom yeah and you know you're talking about ken levine because one of the things that happens is that irrational doesn't exist anymore so you can't be excited for an irrational game the only thing that you can do is say okay i guess we're gonna go ken levine and did you say it does exist yes irrational still exists i thought it was defunct no he left but 2k still owns it if i'm not mistaken i'm definitely gonna search that out feel free defunct 2017 yep okay (laughs) i mean i I don't know (laughs) what that okay sounded very loaded no please continue (laughs) okay mine sounded less loaded chris good sir Um, apologies ah you're fine i just i thought that they did end up killing it for uh, it took a long time because 2017 was far after they released anything but uh that's how that goes i guess i assume because they're still making a bioshock yeah but that's a new studio yeah the studio was rebranded okay that was where i got confused because Irrational is, is ghost story games. Anyway, I'm sorry. This is a tangent for nothing, but please continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is, is Ghost Story the actual one behind the new Bioshock? That's Ken Levine's new studio. I don't think it's the one behind Bioshock. 
Interesting. So he just came back. He was like, I'm gone, but never mind, I'm back. Yeah, he just left Irrational <laughs> and then immediately signed with 2K again, which seems weird. That but, does seem okay. very weird. And <clears> also <throat> from hearing stories about uh, Bioshock Infinite's development. And this is what's interesting, because this would be a, a, a point towards you when people should have their feet held to the fire. Is like most of the problems with Bioshock Infinite was just Ken Levine not being a good director. Like he's great with ideas, but he doesn't know how to put them in motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's interesting that they would just be like, yeah, here you go again. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that all the developers would be like, yeah, sure. We want to go down the same rabbit hole again. Maybe Ken Levine left and did like one of those like wilderness, like uh, management training things. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's he like, yeah, really learned how Michelle to work. On self. <laughs> yeah maybe um but anyway um another one that was sent over and we're going to choose like two more and go on about it um was shave dog he says it sounds good in theory until that director puts out a turd of a game in the movie world m night Shyamalan put out one good movie and then Wrong. followed up with six or so absolute trash movies Wrong. before releasing something remotely decent the same thing could happen to a game director with games and movies it often comes down to the people behind the scenes not reaping the praise so i'd leave it as is one person shouldn't be bigger than the project anyway in his opinion I mean, I disagree with almost every word he said, so I don't know really how Break to Break it down. Feel free. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan has never made a bad movie, um, first off. And then and then second off, I think that ju- just because I think that people should, we should be more open to having directors on the box doesn't mean that they're infallible. That means that you should build up a trust in a developer the same way you build up a trust in a movie and i understand we're talking about different levels of commitment we're talking about a ten dollar movie ticket versus a sixty dollar video game most likely but you know a movie that takes you know at most a year to film and edit sometimes maybe 18 months on average and then a five-year game yeah i just mean in terms of the customer you know but if let's say I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I'm going to keep using myself as an example. It's easy. I'm a writer and I write for four different studios, but you know that there are four Chris Figueroa written games coming out and three of them are bad. When I say, hey, there's four more Chris Figueroa games coming out, you should say, I don't know, pal, your last few games were bad. And I would say to you, you're right. But (laughs) if I do the same thing and I make four games and three are good and one is bad, why wouldn't you look forward to what I'm putting out, even on the off chance it's bad? Suda51 makes garbage games sometimes, but a lot of them are excellent. True. You know, I'm trying to think of who... Do- I think he was Deadly Premonition too, and Deadly Premonition is incredible, but it's also garbage. So, I don't... You know, that's my thing, is you need to be... This is one of those things where we talk about informing yourself as a gamer and as a consumer... This yeah. is just another level of informing yourself, and just because Ken Levine's name is on the next is on the next Ghost Games game, that means there's some cachet to it. That doesn't mean it's going to be good, but you know, yeah, it's kind of I the CGI that, I think trailer interesting thing, things. right? Yeah, sure, uh, yeah. Where Starfield can get away with a CGI trailer, in my opinion, I guess maybe Starfield not as much, but. Skyrim could get away with a CGI trailer. Let's let's do that. But the uh, I can't even remember the name that 
the Microsoft game Contraband. Why does Contraband have a CGI trailer? Because I know nothing about Contraband. There's no cachet with Contraband outside of the fact that one of the Avalanche Studios made Just Fall and the other one made Rage 2 and Generation Zero, right? Two, two mediocre to bad games and one incredible series. It's the same with studios, you know? This is yeah. all just a way to inform you as a consumer. And to me, I'm more excited if I like one person. I like George R. R. Martin's writing. So if he ever decides to write another book, I'm going to look forward to it. The same way I'm like, I'd like to see what his input on Lord of the Rings does to Elden Ring, you know? It's all that kind of stuff. I just think we're looking at one more way to to inform ourselves. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think where I'm kind of landing as we go, and I'm going to choose one more and, and let it go real quick, and then I'll kind of spill mine out. But um, Danny Candyman Villiobos, another patron. Thank you all. He says, Yeehaw. I think it's a cool idea, but like you guys said on the podcast, it feels more like a case-by-case basis, which is interesting, and that's where I'm going. I was already hyped for God of War 4, but when I heard Corey Barlog, who worked on 2, was working on the game, that got me even more excited. But with Rift Apart, it didn't really <clears throat> matter. Ratchet & Clank is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really matter what the director or who the director was, as all the games in that series never really focused on the writing. Um And I think that's kind of where I'm landing is I think that it really, I think that I'm on the team where I think a lot of times it will make sense, but I think it depends on how instrumental the director is on the actual vision. And I think that that really comes down to the, like, how hands-on director is and how important they are to scoping the final vision. And I think there's a lot of really strong examples of that. Like we mentioned with Miyazaki, I think another one that we didn't bring up last week is uh, PlayStation alumni, no longer there, but uh, Fumita Ueda. I think all of his games have a cache and he's sort of driving force behind them that, you know, what type of game he's going to be involved with. And you're going to know if you're going to like it based off of what you've played of his previous games. Um, Mm -hmm. So in those senses where even like a Ken Levine game where he's so, even if he's not good at it or wasn't, hopefully he's better now. We know that that game felt that way because a lot of what was going on in his head. And that does mean that he's an important name to look at and go, yes, this was the creative decision. I think the same is true of Neil Druckmann, whether you dislike him or not. It's important that people who do like him, I think he has enough cachet to have, or he's earned enough cachet to where his name could be on the case, and I don't think it would be, um, I don't think it would be bad at all. I think it would be very true to the fact that that game probably ended up a lot like it is because of what was in his mind. Um, mm-hmm. I'm real curious uh, if if developers and directors on games like um, modern Call of Duties and whatnot would have the same impact. I don't know. Um, I actually think Call of Duty would be the one franchise that wouldn't do it unless they started getting big names. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they could really have, like you know, I think that they, if they were ever going to do it, it would have been back when Vince uh, was with Infinity Ward, and it was like, oh, let's put his name on a case because that's going to sell it. I think like Respawn could have started by being like Titanfall, uh, Vince. What's I can't remember his last name, Campanova or something. Uh, uh, Camp- that's Campanella. Campanella, okay. Uh, yeah, but like I think they could have said like Jesus. Zampella. That's it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that could have worked. I think Titanfall, a Vince Zampella game, um, would have actually carried a lot of cash, uh, cachet for him and, and yeah. worked out. I mean, even if you don't put it on the box, everybody knows that Respawn is a Vince Zampella's studio. 
Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's the well, same at least difference. most people do now. People who are new to it, like Titanfall, was the first game they ever played uh, by him, or maybe even Apex was the first game they ever played that was by Respawn. Then maybe not. But yeah, I mean, I, I still agree with you. I think that there's everyone knew that cared to follow that Respawn was coming off of Infinity Ward, and maybe, that's pretty interesting. Maybe this is going to sound obnoxious and gatekeeperish. I don't mean it to be, but. I think the conversation we're having, you you would know that he was right because I no no I don't think any layman again I feel weird talking like this but any layman guy going into buying a video game and saying oh Hideo Kojima's Metal Gear Solid the Five the Phantom Pain isn't being sold on Hideo Kojima's name but someone who's listening to this podcast or someone who knows who. Someone who would have the knowledge of who Kodeo Kojima is is being sold on that for the most part. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I think to some degree, but I think the fact that we got enough answers, like I said, I was going to choose that last one, but this one's just an interesting one. Uh, Mark Schutz, another one of our patrons, uh, he says, simple answer, no, would be a slap in the face to the musicians, coders, and graphic artists who would of un- who will have undoubtedly done more to get the game out of the door than the director and his vision ever did. And I think where I'm going with that is that certain people will look at this and won't ever really take names to heart because they just kind of look at it as a group effort. So it's not really about that. I think there are people who will look more at a creative driving force and give that more credit. And I think there's people that are just don't care. I think so. I think across the board, there are people that love games and like listening to people talk about them like us who just don't keep up with it for whatever reason. No, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, I I get where you're coming from and I think that there's a, a very, you know, it's a, it's still a high number, but it's a low percentage of the overall gaming community that really does know uh, names. Though I think that the crux of the argument we're having is that, say, 10 years ago, the decision would have been made for, you know, the upper echelon of directors at the time to start putting their names on there. Then maybe more people would actually know that, be it yeah. inadvertently. Because, uh, like, right now, you only really know it if you super care like you're like i just want to know like you know i think that that tetsuya nomura could be a kingdom hearts 4 a tetsuya nomura game i think that's mm-hmm. a completely reasonable thing but most people don't know tetsuya nomura you know like the majority right. of people who play kingdom hearts don't even know him yeah that's my point and it's, it's really interesting but more people might know it if you start putting the name on there i mean you know yeah. more people might know that amy hennig was crazy involved with uncharted being the franchise they may love today had it been uh, Uncharted, Drake's Fortune, an uh, Amy Hennig game. Yeah, I don't know. I just find, I guess we don't have to continue too much more on it, but I don't know. I find the argument of like, oh, it would be, a, you know, he said it would be a slap in the face to the other people who worked on it. And I would argue that they wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for that director. So again, why shouldn't, it's, it's one of those things, right, in a kitchen. If I'm the kitchen manager, if it fails or if it's successful, it is my, it falls on me. That is the same thing for the director. You know, a a musician or an artist might, you know, I guess in this industry it's different. They would lose their job because the project is over, but they're not going to lose their job if the music is bad. The director is going to get fucked because he should know that the mu- something got screwed up with the music. The, everything comes back to the director. So why wouldn't the director be the guy who takes some credit if he wants it? True. That's my point. And again, like I said last week, again, to not to reiterate, but... 
people go to work for kojima because they want to work for kojima so this would be the same thing if you go to work for someone who you know puts their name on the box you know they put their name on the box so there is no it's a slap in the face you went there for that reason if you don't want to work on a thing where it's it's chris figueroa's name on the box then you go work at respawn or any of the other studios out there but the cachet that that name brings is why you went there true and then even like the little bit more deep level of wanting to work at a place that does that so that maybe you could work your way up to getting your own name on a game so that you can be the driving force of like you know i worked my way up here now you're gonna know this is a brett bet game exactly that's exactly it too like if i if if my if my brainchild is being come uh turned into a video game i want people to know if if my book ever takes off and it's a mo- and it's a movie that will be in my contract that it will come on screen in the movie theater Christopher Figueroa's whatever the hell it's called that yeah. is how it will be displayed I'll so, take ten percent less pay just to make sure my name is up there I'm not I would <laughs> I, I know that wasn't a joke there's yeah I think it also depends on who you are what's your take on legacy and and the importance of it you know. Um, which is, I think that's an interesting thing based off where you are in your life as well. I wonder how much this answer changes based off of how old the person that we're asking uh, it is, because I, mean, <clears throat> I think we're still young and hungry in a different way. Um, and I think we view the world a little differently than people who have had more years on us and may have reached a place where they look at it more in the group effort. And I understand the group effort, but at the same time, you know, even if I'm part of a group in something, if, if I feel like a lot of it, if a lot of the responsibility and weight landed on my shoulders, I could see wanting to be given that extra level of like, yeah, I deserve something for all the extra stress and, you know, having to carry everything. Even if other people were doing it, it had to all come back through me so that my lens could control how the world's going to perceive all these things together. Um, It's interesting. I mean, I I think there's a lot of argument there because I don't know if it's, you know, generational speaking, I feel like a lot of people in our generation have this feeling of wanting to have some kind of a legacy. I know I certainly do. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I love writing music because I just like writing music. But there's a part of me that I can't lie and act like it's not there. I want, even when I'm dead and gone, I want someone to be like that right there, that amazing song that I hopefully one day write. That was Brett. And mm-hmm. maybe it was Brett and Casey, or maybe it was Brett in this group. But I want to be, you know, I want to have something more than, you know, I want to have something whenever I'm gone. And that's yeah. an interesting thing. Um, it's one, one of those things, man. Nobody knows George R. R. Martin's editor's name, but the editor is probably almost as important as George R. R. Martin. Yeah, true. And I think it's also just knowing the position you're taking. Are you taking a position where you're you're important to the final product? But without the initial driving force, you wouldn't have the job to be there to like in, in George R. R. Martin's case, without his mind to pull these ideas out and initially write them, you don't have a book to edit. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. It's I mean, it's interesting. It it, it it genuinely is. It's a lot of interesting conversation. So thank you everyone who answered. Um we're gonna get on into the news, but before we do that, want you to know that this show is brought to you by you. And by us, thanks to the courtesy of all of the great people who follow and support us on Patreon. So if you want to become one of those great people and give as little as a dollar per month to support the show directly, uh, then head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Uh, we love all of those who do. 
but we also love all of those who just give us your time every week. So thank you all so much. Remember, if you want to check out what we're doing over on Midweek Matinee, uh, me and Chris, and you can go check that out. We also have our spoiler chat series we've been doing. Uh, the last episode was with Josh Shoop and uh, was a good time. I had a great time doing it. And it seemed to do well, so I think a lot of you enjoyed it. So we're going to be doing another one soon, if I'm not mistaken. I think Chris and I have landed on doing Ratchet and Clank. Don't hold our feet to the fire on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what we're doing. <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but going to go ahead and get into the news. First thing, Greed Falls Enhanced PS5 Edition launches on June 30th. And if you thought that I wasn't going to talk about this and you don't know me because Greed Falls is a fantastic <laughs> game, uh, it's going to have a new story DLC launching alongside it. Owners of the PS4 version get a free upgrade with a save transfer feature built in for you to continue the journey if you started on PS4, which kind of loops back to what we talked about um, last week about that feature being kind of hit or miss on PS5. So I'm glad that a double a game was able to make it work for whatever reason <laughs> uh right now it's unclear if like final fantasy 7 the ps plus owners will not be eligible for an upgrade or if they will um and i'm still curious because if you kind of look when they first announced it a lot of people were asking and whoever was running that the twitter was just avoiding that question like the plague they would not respond to it but someone else would post something completely different and they'd answer it's sounds like a big old no to me dog <laughs> it, it, it does to me as well but i wonder if it's at that point it hadn't been determined and sony and and focus home were still kind of background looking into it before they actually committed to an answer yeah. um but you you'd imagine that'd be something you'd determine when you decide to make a ps5 upgrade right yeah i think they just don't want to get yelled at yet because <sighs> maybe not yeah it, it's, that's one of those weird things where i understand to a certain extent but why even put your game on ps plus if you're not gonna honor that that just seems oh, weird yeah. to me like why would you give it away and be like but you have to buy the good one you have to spend the money to get the good one like, that just yeah. seems like a dick move. Like well, I didn't get it when Final Fantasy did it. I don't. I wouldn't get it here either. Yeah, I mean, I got it. I don't. I didn't agree with it when Final Fantasy did it. Like I, I agree with it from a pure business. <laughs> yeah, uh, because it was clearly done and also clearly communicated day <clears throat> one, moment one. Like before you even like basically as soon as you learned that Final Fantasy VII remake was coming to PS Plus in the same state of play, they were like, "Yeah, but that doesn't mean you get the PS Five version. You can still play this one on PS Five, but you're not going to get it." And I think that's better if you're going to do it. Just be like, "Listen, this is a business. We're doing this for business purposes." But if you wanted to play it, bam, here you are. And I think in both cases, the interesting thing is. I appreciate Final Fantasy just being upfront about it, but in this case, since they haven't said anything and they kept just saying free upgrade, free upgrade, and we've had it as a PS Plus game for a long time, um, I think where they are right now, is since they've not said anything, I feel like they should just give it as a free upgrade and then hope that enough people like it that they start buying the $7 DLC and you make your money up that way. Um, that seems like the best middling ground, right? I think Square could have done the same thing. They could have been like, hey, play it, and if you do... Uh, and you want to buy Integrate as a separate add-on, then you can spend 20 bucks and have the Integrate DLC. Yeah, they could have even charged 40 for Integrate. And you think I would so? have been If they gave away that PS Plus one, yeah. Let's think about that. They're like, hey, you, get, you can buy the Integrate version for $40, or you can buy the DLC with your free PS Plus one for $40. I think that's totally fair, personally. 
fair and it's like but if you don't want to integrate then you could still play the ps5 benefits exactly yeah it's probably the best of both worlds but as often is the case in in the industry you can't have your cake and eat it too no <laughs> for whatever reason uh next up there's a lot of japanese news so i'm just gonna tell you if you if you don't care about japanese games i don't know what to tell you but that's Japan. there's some of that going on uh during a recent live stream event for the 30th anniversary of the <clears throat> mana series square enix announced that a new entry in the mana series is being developed for consoles but that it was still early in production so fans would need to wait for an official reveal uh this was revealed alongside echoes of mana and trials of mana hitting phones and a legend of mana anime adaptation being developed by warner brothers japan which is only interesting to me because I, I don't know why they're handing that off to Warner Brothers. You know, um, they have a team that does animation that did like the Final Fantasy Brotherhood, Final Fantasy mm. Fifteen Brotherhood. Um, feels weird to pass it off if yeah. you have the means to do it. So I wonder if it wasn't going to happen, except for them being like, "Oh, does anybody want to pay us to be allowed to do this?" Right. I don't know, it kind of sounds like a Street Fighter Five situation where it's like it wouldn't have happened unless Sony paid for it. Seems like the same thing here. Yeah, maybe. Hard to say. I don't know. It's Yeah, I don't know. I wish I could be more insightful, but you just said mana a bunch and that means nothing to me outside of skyrim so yeah i can't i can't really uh <laughs> and any other jrpg that uses mana yeah exactly <laughs> i don't know i think square is such an interesting company uh and how yeah. they handle all that anyway um because you know like a lot of the tale series have anime adaptations uh yes, which makes is. sense considering and that manga. most of the games have anime in them like <laughs> you know yep. and like literally anime uh sections so who knows um is what it is next thing up despite reports that tekken cross street fighter the counterpart to street fighter cross tekken that was announced alongside that title even though it was released back in like 2011 2012 uh being finally canceled would appear to be not true as director Katsuhiro Harada, who is the Tekken uh, director in case you don't know, uh, his words were apparently mistranslated and lacked the nuance he intended according to a follow-up response from him. He says the game was apparently shelved after hitting the 30% mark, not canceled, and Harada insisted that development uh, could be picked back up should the opportunity with Capcom arise uh, since the latter publisher would need to be involved. So I, I don't know, Chris, were, were you, I, I'm not a huge fighting game person, but I remember yeah. when this hit and mm-hmm. I remember it being so weird that we got one half of it and not the other, not half. The other half. Yeah. I don't know. I liked, um, what was it? Street Fighter X Tekken, the one that came out. Yeah, I did like that one for what I played. I played it on Vita, so how good of an experience was that? Um, yeah, you know what I remember from that? Jacked <clears throat> up Cole from Infamous. Yes, yep, <laughs> that was cool. Like, which is weird because I remember like it looks like Cole got some of the Bane venom and just like went ham. <laughs> it does. Um, <laughs> I will say, in terms of this news, uh, sounds like the game's canceled. Yeah, that's one of those weird <laughs> things where I get what he's saying. Yeah. Well, but that would be like, you know, Jeff Garvin being like, well, we finished the pitch, but if Sony ever wants to make Days Gone 2, we could pick it back up. It's like, okay, but they canceled the game. You could still make it. Yes, I agree. The game's I, canceled. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess the difference is that Days Gone 2 was never greenlit, but this other game was. 
<laughs> yeah, but, but it's even more weird that it was green lit, hit the thirty percent mark, and then was just like, nah. <laughs> I wonder why. I mean, I'm not surprised that Street Fighter Cross Tekken was the one to come out first because I think arguably Capcom handled development on that. They're a much bigger publisher than Bandai Namco, uh, or not Bandai Namco. Um, or is it Bandai Namco for Tekken? It is. Okay. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um. So I'm again. I'm not surprised. I think it's just one of those moments where, um, it it does sound an awful lot like canceled. But I mean, I guess he's in the right spot. I mean, if the game is there and all you got to do is pick it back up and just update all the graphics, yeah, it's hard to say. I always thought it was exciting because I'm not a huge Street Fighter fan, and I always preferred the full 3D environments of Tekken. So I was more excited at the idea of seeing street fighter characters in a 3d fighter rather than seeing tekken characters in a 2d fighter but yeah i mean i get it i mean a lot of people like street fighter and a lot of people like tekken so it's a reasonable thing to have done i just i think the ideal way would have been to release them both at the same time though i guess arguably something that harada said that i thought was Mm -hmm. interesting was that part of the problem with the fighting game community is that you don't want to release games too close to each other because people get really into those games and play for long periods. Yeah. And if you try and do two of them, naturally people are going to choose one, gravitate toward it. The rest of the community will gravitate toward it because it's where the community's at, and then the other one will be left to dry. So that might actually be part of why it wasn't done that way. Mm-hmm. That but, makes sense. Uh, um, I'm kind of just surprised they didn't do it all at once or even do a thing where they're like, hey, all the characters play the same between both, but there's 3D and 2D. I don't know if you could do that, but I think, you know, at least making combos and button inputs the same, even if you had to do some directional moving in a 3D plane. Yeah, I mean, that was actually basically... Yeah, that's what happened with Street Fighter Cross Tekken, right? All the Tekken (coughs) combos and stuff were the same, just on a 2D plane. Which is fair. Makes sense. I don't know. This just seems more like a novelty game than anything else. Just make your novelty fighter and move on. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot like that whole Marvel versus Capcom thing. At some point, it's like, just be done with it. I, yeah. I guess, if anything, the the most recent Marvel versus Capcom is probably the example of why you shouldn't just do an idea because someone liked it in the past or because it sounds fun. There's every chance in the world that Tekken Cross Street Fighter would not even be good. <laughs> I would I hope mean, not. I and a lot of people s- love Tekken 7, but... I don't think Street Fighter Cross Tekken is particularly good. So, I mean, exactly. That's what I was about to say. I, I imagine that it didn't sell like fire. Otherwise, I would imagine Bandai Namco would be like, we need to get on this. Yeah, let's make it happen. Yeah. Who knows? This next one's hot. <laughs> uh, Marvel's Avengers was <laughs> hit with another unfortunate controversy when the latest update had players' IP addresses show on screen for everyone to see. The issue has since been patched, but it's another setback for a game that is trying to recover from what I consider lackluster public perception uh an upcoming update does intend to allow players in a squad to have multiple of a single hero a feature that was tested during the tachyon anomaly event but will now be a permanent fixture um i think this is interesting because on the latter half i think there's something to be said where if they're doing it in what i consider the right way that you would play into the multiverse and have that be the reason that there's so many i hope that it's not just the game being like yeah fuck it there's four hulks (laughs) for no (laughs) real reason um 
but I don't know. It's 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 weird seeing the way that this game is kind of. I don't want to say bloomed because it really hasn't. Um, it's it's just kind of moved out in weird directions, and I don't feel like it's ever landed the way they thought it was going to. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. It's a bad game. <laughs> I don't like it at all. And I'm the I'm like one of the people in this world who you could sell a turd to that had Tony Stark's face, and I'd probably buy it. And I couldn't with this game. I don't think I made it halfway. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I don't know. I, I that's you know, like I've said before, I think a lot of my um, a lot of my concern, and it really shouldn't be. It's just. Square and how they've handled their Western studios has been so haphazard that my concern over Guardians of the Galaxy comes from the fact that I think Avengers... I'm not saying it's an inherently bad game because I've not played it. I think you are you have every bit in the world the ability to say that because you played the game for, what, like an hour and a half? No, I put like 10 hours into it. Oh, you did? God, you played more than I thought. Yeah, I tried uh, yeah, really hard. Yeah, I was like, 10 hours <laughs> is definitely enough to where if the game hasn't gripped you, I think you can arguably sit there and say, I found the game to be bad. Um, I can't say that, but everything I've seen about it just seems eh. And I feel like the reception has matched that. You know, I, I wasn't excited about it when they initially showed it because it felt weird. It didn't feel right. Um and then kind of continuing on from there, it just seemed that this game has been snake bit every step of the way. And I know this is weird, but if we're going to say that like Bioware should move away from Anthem because it just wasn't worth the fix, at what point is that true of Avengers? Um, when it came out. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I think with... I think Avengers... And maybe this is hypocritical, but I think Avengers and Anthem are completely separate leagues in terms of cachet. So I think if you can fix an Avengers game, that perfectly helps you. But I think fixing something like Anthem, that audience is significantly less. I think it's just not worth it. Where true, if you can pull, if you can, if if let's say their Spider-Man DLC comes out and it's this huge update that changes some fundamental stuff in the game and you tell me that Avengers is good, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to try it because I like those superheroes. But, you know, if if Anthem 2.0 had come out and they were like, yeah, this game is just is even a little bit more okay now, I'd be like, ah, I'm still good. You know what I mean? But I'd be more yeah. willing to try Avengers. Yeah, where I think the difference is the only cachet that Anthem had was the Bioware name. Yeah. The cachet and, that Marvel has has nothing to even do with Crystal Dynamics, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, it's there if you like <clears throat> Crystal Dynamics games, but the real draw for the majority of people is the cachet behind the idea of Marvel yeah. characters and Avengers. I mean, honestly, like this is, I'm sure, a bit pedantic because I didn't play too much of it, but a lot of the hype I heard around Anthem was that it was an Iron Man simulator. So... <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's it's weird to me that every bit of what I've seen of Avengers, ironically, feels like they missed where Anthem just absolutely knocked it out of the park with how good it felt to fly around and basically be Iron Man. So I don't know. Do with that with do with that what you will. But I do see the irony. I've seen people play, and even watching people play, and having played it myself, but even watching people play as one of the uh the suits in bio um not bioware in uh, <laughs> anthem. anthem was 
a lot more fun and kinetic and interesting. And then seeing someone do the same as Iron Man and Avengers feels not right. It doesn't feel like it's got the weight right. It doesn't feel like flying is inherently fun. Where the thing that really hooked me with Anthem was how fun traversal was like no matter what you were doing you're gonna have a good time just moving from point a to point b even if point a and point b are relatively humdrum things going between them you're like ah this is awesome this is really good and then you may land and feel like oh well eventually this is gonna wear its welcome out but i don't know it's 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 an interesting thing i think games as a service is such a weird idea that you would have thought a whole generation of it that we would have figured it out, but clearly we haven't. Like, at least as a way to always do it relatively right. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's a hard question. I mean, I like just, you, you love games as a service. If you, cause like, if you look at Apex, Apex is the epitome of games as a service. Sure. And I mean, if looking at those two, cause you play far more than I do of these, of those types of games anyway, even the ones I've gotten into, you're, Every games as a service I've ever played, all of that time that I put in to add it together is probably like an eighth of your Apex time, if even that. I mean, I have. <laughs> I think I just passed sixteen hundred hours of Apex. God, that's crazy. <laughs> so, what is it that you think Apex gets right for you that hooked you that in that you think Marvel's got wrong? I mean, what did you play <clears throat> the games as a service aspects of Avengers, or did you beat the story? No, I didn't even beat the story. Problem with... So, uh, I think Apex has the best gameplay in the entire industry. Okay. Um, And I think Avengers... I'll avoid being hyperbolic, and I'll say, in terms of games that should be good, Avengers has the worst gameplay I've ever ever experienced. It's boring, it's flat. Uh, Like, there's... Like, you would imagine that playing with the hulk you would have some power in your punches and it it doesn't feel that way like arkham asylum batman on ps3 has more power in his punches than the hulk does in marvel's avengers you know the problem with the problem with avengers being a live service game is they have to do pve balanced so logically if hulk punches you you die but because this is a game as a service a grunt a level one grunt takes 15 punches from the hulk that doesn't make any sense so the 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 fun of the game isn't there because you have to balance the pve aspect and that's why it sucks yeah i think that's fair and you're weighted far more with an existing lore that you have to think about whereas Mm -hmm. you can explain something like that off in apex which is just an extension of a world that was created not that long ago you have you have literal like decades and decades of Hulk lore and Iron Man lore and every Avenger that you have to account for. Right. And if you don't the right way, it feels wrong. And I think that's a big important thing. Yeah. It does feel weird that you can't just basically one hit all the grunts as the Hulk because it wouldn't make sense. I mean, you could try and speed everyone else up to a degree to where the Hulk was kind of slow. And therefore, while you did massive damage, it took you longer to get from enemy to enemy. Yeah. But I think whereas other characters were quicker and able to pop, pop, pop. So it took more hits, but you were arguably able to be similar, similar in, um, effectiveness. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because Hulk 
or Thor should be really just as strong. You know, it's just one of these things where we have to balance. And I wish, in a way, this had been you play as Kamala Khan or you play as like the humanoid people who aren't as strong. And then it's like, oh, you've got the Hulk as your ultimate who comes in and you play as him and you just clear out. You know, there were ways to do it. Instead, I got to play as the Hulk who felt like <laughs> the Hulk feels like you're playing as Bruce Banner. I think that's the best way to say it. Oh, man. And that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Bruce Banner doesn't like being Bruce Banner. Why would I like being Bruce Banner? Yeah, that's rough. That, yeah. That's really rough. Uh, that's, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that's the weird thing about trying to bring all those together. And, and I hadn't actually thought of that until you just said that, but that makes sense, partially because I haven't played it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, these things aren't immediately as, as obvious to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it would have been interesting to see a game where you kind of tag team certain people in. But then does it feel like an Avengers game? I guess that's the question that they were probably having is, well, if you only play as some of the you know, more human, like, well, what if you play as Black Widow and you play as Kamala Khan and you play as even something like, I'm not saying he's an Avenger, but if you try and pull people in like Quicksilver and whatnot and then kind of work around them, what happens you know that's because and then have it to where like even iron man is a reasonable under like it's yeah. understandable that you play as iron man and then have thor and hulk and all of these massive heroes be coming in as supers it'd have been interesting but i don't know um well i mean as <clears> games <throat> of service i can see how that would work kind of like your ultimate and destiny i mean you build it up over well, time I mean, and then you even, ex- you play it off yeah. even the original avengers right so you could have done this game as Captain America, Iron Man, Black Widow, Hawkeye, and Ant-Man. And then everyone else who has extra power that would break the balance of your game, their their special attacks. I think that makes more sense because you stay it's we're while while we're talking about a long lineage, we're talking about a long lineage. So there are tons of people you could have put in here and been like, okay, this is how we're balancing. It's all the humanoid Avengers that are the main players, but then you can bring in a 60-second Hulk out, and the Hulk drops in from a Quinjet, you know? Yeah. It just feels it feels lazy. Yeah, I think it's trying to do the thing of uh, like Batman and Spider-Man. It really makes you feel like Spider-Man, but I think inherently you can't feel like Hulk if you... Why even put Hulk in? Like I'm sure that they were exactly. like, well, we want someone to feel like, oh, you feel like Hulk, but you don't feel like Hulk unless you're absolutely destroying everything, you know? Right. Yeah. It's interesting that all that conversation ends up really teetering on the Hulk, but it's a good example of just an immediate like, whoa, what? The Hulk, <laughs> the thing is, my, we're talking about the Hulk a lot, but the reason I dropped the game was because the Hulk was so boring to play. Whereas I liked playing as Kamala and I liked the little bit I played of the... I think there was that beta where you play as all of them and go through the uh, A-Day incident. And I Uh liked every player except the Hulk. And the Hulk should have been the best, and it was the worst, and I never played it again. (laughs) Strong feelings, Chris. (laughs) I'm I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm just curious to see what they choose to do with this game. I think at this point it should have been let it go as a single-player game and go about your day. That's you know. exactly what they should have done. Though, the, thing is, the problem still exists, but I say that. I mean, I don't know. If you let it go as a single-player game, <laughs> drop the games as a service aspect and then repatch in Hulk to where when you play as him, you're just stupid strong. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, this game, if it was 10% better, I would have platinumed it. 
strictly because it was called Marvel's Avengers. That's how you know it's bad. So I'm such a Marvel stan, I would have gotten the Platinum just because of the name, and they couldn't even pull me in. That I think that's a big Swing thing. and a miss. Yeah. <laughs> Strike All right. three. Next thing up, a demo for Square Enix's upcoming sequel. Square is very big this week for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. To the niche, The World Ends With You, which was a DS title and recently remastered for the Switch, uh, hit the PS Store last Friday, the 25th. So if you're interested in trying out the interestingly named Neo, The World Ends With You, you can go download that and give it a, he- uh, give it a try ahead of the game's July 27th release. So I will probably do so. I never played the original. Um, I think I played it, it on the phone or something. Did they have a phone version? They might have, actually. I don't know. The The gameplay is super weird. I'm familiar with the characters because of Dream Drop Distance, um, which they ended up being the square guest characters uh, in that game. So, yeah, I don't know. Interesting interesting that it's getting a sequel because it was kind of like a cult classic but it didn't necessarily do well but square's been doing well with that i mean you know people who love near got near automata and then eventually ended up getting near replicant in a better form so square is relatively good at giving games chances when they probably shouldn't <laughs> i have to assume it's just because they're cheap to make but who knows yeah i'm not sure uh, next thing up, with its return to the PS Store, CD Projekt Red appears to be shifting less away from the stability and performance of Cyberpunk 2077, <clears throat> saying that they've reached largely satisfactory levels and will now shift towards introducing fixes to the general systems that players have pointed out as needing improvement. This does not mean that they will not work on optimizing the game's stability and performance at all, but that it is no longer required to be the primary concern of the development team's efforts <coughs> To improve the game. Um, I don't know. Chris, I know me and you both love the game, though we yes. also both had huge issues with it. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> what would you... And I mean, it's it's interesting. It's almost hard to t- walk away from this game and talking about it because I did really enjoy it. Um, and right now, I, I do hope it's stable. I think I could have put up with a game in the way it was at launch had it just not been a crash machine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> what would you say would be a feature in the game that you would like to see either completely overhauled or just kind of fixed? I mean, was there like a big single feature that you just like, nah, it doesn't feel right? It's hard because I think a lot of the stuff I would have liked would have been in a different game than what we got. Um, How so? I mean, there's stuff I would have liked, like I would have liked, much better customization i would have liked the city to feel alive instead of artificially alive does that make sense yeah no i agree um i don't know i would have liked my character to feel like my character you know i think a weird thing about this game is that while you play a character the main character is johnny um i wish my character mattered more um, I wish that stuff like climbing on the walls with the mantis arms was in the game. I wish, I wish the cars were more fun because that's the thing is like, I played this game like it was Skyrim. I walked everywhere. I'd never drove a car yeah, because it wasn't fun. And it, it, it turned out a lot of the time it was more of a waste of my time to get in a car than get out or than to run. So that's what I did. Um, I just wish it was just a, in a lot of ways, I wish it was a different game. This is this is like 
bad Skyrim cyberpunk. That's what it is. The way that me. I kind of worded it is I think on the RPG merits of what was going on, I think the game's great. I think that the characters are really good. I think the missions are really fun. I think mm-hmm. the control you have over your character is pretty good. It could be better, but it's pretty solid, and then there's a lot that you can do. Um, so in all those regards, I thought it was good. I thought a lot of the complaints, I'm not going to say they're not valid because CD Projekt Red chose to include these factors in the game. So when they're not up to the par of what you'd expect from those types of features, I understand why people are upset about it. But I feel like a lot of what didn't work as well as it should have for me was them trying to be a Skyrim, but then or The Witcher, whatever you want to call it, them trying to be a traditional, normal RPG, but then trying to also be a Grand Theft Auto, arguably, not really an RPG, but a Grand Theft Auto-style sandbox. And I think where it comes down to is the police responses were stupid and terrible, but it was a system <laughs> that was clearly designed to be just like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. And I don't think this game needed that at all. I get what they were trying to do but i think that by doing it at all they opened comparisons to grand theft auto when they could have leaned far more into the route of it being an rpg and just let it go that way there's no reason in that game's systems because the world is not designed like grand theft auto for random chaotic fun to ensue just from driving and running and jumping and hitting people that's not the back end of that game but that is the back end to a Grand Theft Auto and a Sleeping Dogs and a Saints Row. Those games are inherently different things. They're not trying to do really intimate, big stories with multiple characters. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It just felt very weird in that regard to where here we are, but in the long run, what's going on uh, behind the scenes. And I don't even know that I care to have them fix that, except for the fact that, again, they put it in the game. So if you're going to put it in there, you might as well make sure it works right and is fun. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my thing. I, I see some of your things too, where it's like the game becomes inherently different if you actually change them up. But I mean, yeah. or at least if nothing else, it's somewhere they could go with a sequel. But I guess the weird thing is, is I'm not so sure this game will get a sequel now. <laughs> but I don't want to say that because if you remember, the first Witcher was not really a big success <clears> and <throat> we still got The Witcher 2. And did. then that was a a success but it wasn't a witcher 3 and then we got the witcher 3 so i think if cd project red knows anything they should be smart enough to know that if they double down and don't make the same mistakes this time around they can come out with another cyberpunk and it actually do well yeah Um, i just wonder if almost akin to how sony feels about days gone if the cyberpunk name is so tarnished they could never they would never even try to release another one it's possible you really don't know it's, it's hard to say but w- i hope that one day we can look back and be like man cd project red really pulled a no man's sky with cd with uh with cyberpunk 2077 I that would so. be amazing cyberpunk but, is a great game i mean i got the platinum despite 77 crashes you know <laughs> yeah it's crazy because i know you're not the best example for that because you're just driven to platinum stuff yeah uh, and I, I almost think certain games you reach a point of where you're going to platinum it out of spite. Yep. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so now that's it's what just, happened with, C, with Cyberpunk for sure. Once yeah, I have it to was do just, a third Now it's got to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so to that extent, I mean, but 
the thing is, is that despite the crashes, I I love the characters and the story and everything yeah. so much that I just wanted to keep playing. So every time a crash would happen, I'd have that little internal monologue of like, do I just quit playing? I'm like, ah, damn, I really want to know what's going on with Piper next. And, oh, what's going on over here? I want to see what happens with Johnny. Does jo- oh, what happens? Oh, this is crazy, <clears throat> you know? And, I, and the crazy part is I'm still excited about playing it again in a fixed state. But I'm just waiting until the PS5 oh, yeah. version comes. So once the PS5 version comes out, I'll buy it again. It was even one of those things where, like, I think I was telling you, um, I ended up getting a refund for it, and I felt bad about it because I expected the a I expected the process to be a lot more difficult. You literally go to the website, and there was, it was one click. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I'll buy it again when the PS5 version comes out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it is crazy that it was a single click. I like was at blown that away. point, you just know how much he screwed up. <laughs> yeah, because part part of it was like I just want to see this process, or if they'll even let me. Because it was more of a, an academic thing for me, where I'm like, I wonder if they'll put it through, even though I've played it, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even anything. It was literally just you were signed in, it was click, and it was over. I was like, oh, geez, you know, you'd think there'd be some kind of tr- check for this, but. You know, it would have been, if nothing else, though, I, it may have not been the right move at the time. It would have been interesting of, hey, you can get it. All you got to do is click one button and then answer a survey about what you wish the game would have been different. Yeah, or like what issues you had or something. Yeah, just to give like the biggest thing that they can about like what issues the game has and mm-hmm. which are fixable, which are inherent to the way that the <clears throat> game was designed and not necessarily a flaw, but just, you know. It would have been interesting, but it is is interesting. I know if you really feel like you messed up that much and people are giving you that much flack, I guess you don't want to make the return process complicated because then (laughs) you're just going to get it doubled down. Yeah. So, fair enough. But I I feel certain that's also why it was taken off of the PS Store. Sony was like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." we're not doing this refund thing anymore. (laughs) Even though it sounds like the refund was coming out of like cd projects red's pockets yeah but i think think it was a sony doesn't want the precedent to be that exactly oh you can refund games because they kind of try to avoid that conversation as much as they can yeah which is what it is i don't blame them yeah i wouldn't do it either last up the rumor mill turns again this time for (laughs) ghost of tsushima as an insider claims that sucker punch is preparing to reveal ghost of ikishima as a standalone expansion similar to uncharted lost legacy to a degree spider-man miles morales but really more along the lines of sucker punch's previous efforts and infamous festival of blood and infamous first light uh, this definitely follows a trend for the developer, what they've set for their past few games, and it's supposedly part of the next showcase that Sony has, which last time, I can remember talking to Chris about that, he had a, a date that he said was right. And, July uh, 8th. Do you, do you still feel good about that? July 8th, yeah. Okay. It'll be announced this week. All right, there you go. From the mouth of Chris to the ears <laughs> of you. <laughs> um, so... I mean, what do you feel on this? Uh, I know that you ended up not beating Ghost of Tsushima, right? Correct. I did not beat it. Hmm. Um, I How mean, true I'm, do you think this is then? I mean, you know, because you don't really got to have played the game to, to look at it. I think pattern alone tells <clears> you that the this is one of those things where even if it ends up coming to pass. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing that I think they've messed up on, if this is just somebody who's guessing, is that they, they put a name to it. But I think if someone really wanted to use this as their moment to clout chase, 
they could have just said Ghost of Tsushima is going to get a standalone expansion announced at one of the upcoming PlayStation events. And the mm-hmm. chances of it being right would have given them that quick boost that people try to get where they get one thing right. And now suddenly everybody's looking at them like, what are you going to leak next? Oh, yeah. grateful leaker. I mean, it's one of these things where like, I'm telling you that God of War gameplay is going to be at the Sony show on July 8th. And you don't know if I'm right, but if I am, anything I say on this show is going to mean a lot more. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, he's on to something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm right about both of those things. But this specifically, it makes sense because it's how... I think, honestly, I think it's a really nice way for Sony to sell Ghost of Tsushima at $60 again. so Or $70 again. So Now, what are you thinking? Like a PS5 remaster? Yeah, I would, I would think like Ghost of... Sh- Ghost DLC will... Um, come out at 30 and then you'll get the ghost of tsushima remaster and ghost of whatever for uh 70 bucks kind of similar to what we saw with the ultimate edition of spider-man yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they did that for a lot of their stuff like why not get me a five-hour bloodborne expansion and then a ps5 version i don't know yeah, you know, that's that. my thing is like, w- w- however they choose to do it, and I really do look at Miles Morales as more of a standalone, or as more of a, a real sequel, even though in a lot of ways I think it's probably more apt to really call it a standalone expansion. Yeah. Um, but when you look at that, I think that business model makes a lot of sense. For people who didn't play these games on PS4 who are getting into PS5, yes, they can play them through backwards compatibility, but why not also just be like, hey, Here's yeah. the remaster of Horizon Zero Dawn included for twenty more dollars uh, if you buy it or you know whatever price they choose ninety dollars for the ultimate edition of Horizon Forbidden <laughs> West it comes with a full on you know remaster based around the PC code of Horizon Zero Dawn where it's beautiful you have more control over your depth of field and your uh, field of view and whatnot and then. Also, on top of that, here's Forbidden West. You have all this together in a $90 package. I think a lot of people would jump on that. I agree. Um, Definitely since Horizon didn't get any kind of update otherwise. So I think it makes the most sense for those games. I think the biggest downside is that Tsushima did kind of get a faux update. You know, It got it PS5 enhancements. So I could see that game missing that. But I could see games like Forbidden West and if they ever do a Bloodborne um you know sequel or follow-up i think there's a lot of games you could employ that tactic with and people would gladly jump on it i agree that's how i would do it yeah here's not a surprising. 10-hour experience for 70 dollars. also you get a game that you already played for that price too but it's upgraded that's what i would do new trophy list easy yeah well now do you think you'd do it for the same price where it's included free in the game or like a 20 dollar upcharge like they did with uh spider-man um i would just I don't know. I mean, I would say, is Ikishima worth, you know, 50 bucks? Maybe. I don't know. Because, I mean, I think that's what Miles ends up coming out to, right? Is Miles is 50 and yep. Spider-Man is 20. Yep. That's That seems reasonable to me. Yeah, I think so, too. Even after playing Spider-Man, I didn't feel like I got ripped off at the $50 price point. I mean, I no. paid 70 but the $50 of that that was for Spider-Man, Miles Morales, felt earned. Absolutely. Miles Morales was awesome. Yeah, well, awesome. I think it's better than the first Spider-Man in a I lot agree. of I agree. I think <laughs> this is so. This is going to be my hot take for the episode. I think making Miles Morales was the single worst decision they've ever made. 
Really? Yes, because, oh, because they can't they, they can't go. You yeah. can't put the miles back in the bottle. Exactly, miles is significantly more fun to play than play as than Peter. But I don't want to play a Spider-Man game as Miles Morales. I want to play as Peter. So they, you know what I mean? Well, you you don't want it's it's interesting because like you clearly played one as Miles Morales, but that's because it's under the auspice that it's a side game. Yeah, I mean I don't. So want, you, you want the mainline game to still involve Peter. You want to yeah. see Peter's story. Exactly. Yeah. I agree because I mean, we both also come. It's not like we don't like Miles. I mean, clearly we both love Into the Spider Verse. I mean, I'm a so. I'm, I'm I'm a Puerto Rican Spider Man fan. Of course, I like Miles Morales. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the gameplay for Miles is so much better that I don't know how you go back to not having Venom powers. That's the thing. Like, yeah, the Venom I think the is only so way fun. you do is both. I think the only way you do it is you you basically intuitively switch between the two Spider Men. Like, you know, I could almost imagine, you know, the, the opening mission for Miles Morales. Yeah. If they do something similar to a degree in uh, the next follow-up to that, it's going to be like to where one moment you're playing as Miles <coughs> and you're flipping around and doing whatever and you grab it. And then suddenly the camera like pans over and you seamlessly take control of Peter and keep going on and doing the moves. And then past that, missions are more on a person-to-person basis. Like, oh... Uh, Miles, you have the invisibility, so we're going to tap you in to do some recon and some spying over this situation. And then, oh, Peter, you've got this, so we're going to use you as, you know. I think that that is probably the way to play that out to where you don't have to put Miles all the way back in the bottle, but that you could still have Peter out and about without, you know. You can be like, oh, here's Peter for two hours, you know, or for an hour. That's pretty fun. I mean, I think that's exactly how it's going to play out. The problem is I don't understand how you make Peter not boring. Even if it's just for short bursts, like Miles visually, visually alone, Miles is so, is so much farther ahead. Let alone the gameplay aspects of it, you know. Because in the end, all Miles really has is a state is a shocking punch, right? But it's just that visual and of, invisibility. Well, yeah, but the invisibility is not a combat in terms of like what I mean with the electricity, because the electricity is the big thing for me. Um, oh really? I, I liked the I liked the use of the cloak for stealth. I thought that the biggest thing that Miles did it did do a lot to make the moment to moment punching gameplay fun. But I also thought that that game improved stealth mechanics a lot over the. Oh, initial, it definitely did. But the initial game. I guess I personally didn't have any issues with the stealth, and then I'm also one of those people where I'm like, ah, oh, they saw me. Okay, well, they're all gonna die very loudly then. <laughs> oh yeah, I do that too when it matters. But it was nice that you had that way out if you <clears throat> wanted to stay true to being stealthy. Yeah, um, you could just zip away and then actually cloak just yourself, go invisible. I agree. Yeah. yeah, it was a cool setup. But you, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how they end up going with that. There's a lot of there's a lot of 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 things that are out there with the way Sony's doing business that I'm curious about. Um, but I don't know, because right now, I mean, clearly Miles came out, and then we have still them doing other things like Ratchet and Clank, which is doing really well at a $70 price point even. So um, it's interesting. I guess Miles Morales is really just what's the impact on specifically Spider-Man uh, and the irony of it potentially actually making it harder to move forward with the series. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who knows? I mean, we'll definitely see. Um Unless they're going to try and do a patch the torch, uh, a patch to uh, pass the torch moment, I and don't have do that yet. please don't do that yet. It'd be really early to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I think 
we haven't we haven't seen Miles grow enough. Like we've seen him grow, but there's still a lot of room for Peter as a character to grow within the story arcs here, and to see Miles grow as well. And then that kind of fun thing where we get to see Peter grow as not only as an individual character and as Spider Man, but also as like a teacher. Yeah, <clears throat> that's going to be really interesting. And I hope that they play that off in a similar way. Not the same way, but a similar way to what we saw in Into the Spider-Verse where there's kind of that aspect of where MJ gets pregnant mm-hmm. and then it starts being like you're getting to see what, what Peter is teaching to Miles and at the same time kind of being like, oh, he's, he's acting as kind of a surrogate father here for Miles. Yeah. And then we get to see how he's going to take that back and kind of pull that into his day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And then you pass the torch and... An interesting way, I think, down the line, you could try and pass the torch where, kind of like I talked about with Hobbs and Shaw, where it's like, eventually, it's the question of like, I have a kid, I have different responsibilities. At some point, it's irresponsible for me to keep this lifestyle up when there's someone else who can do it. Well, yeah, but I don't know. Sadly, that is not a Peter Parker trait, but that's true <laughs> but I, you know what i'm imagining in my yeah. head is kind of like the the frozone in, in incredibles where it's like he's behind it all but the moment that action spurs up and it's it's clear that he's needed he's like at any moment he can throw the suit back on where's my super suit <laughs> where's my spider suit <laughs> <laughs> i will say i'm just glad that aunt may is already dead because now we'll hopefully never get the absolute worst spider-man moment of all time and if you know you know yeah you know that's true that's true all right well here we are at the end of another episode chris thanks for joining me man of course. Uh, and what do you think the community stake should be oh god um i want you to pitch me your spin-off mini dlc that goes with your upgraded ps5 game oh okay Okay. So I guess to form an actual question, what game would you like to see ported to PS5 with substantial DLC? Yeah, that would actually be really interesting. I'm curious to see what like to see what people would throw up in there. Um, Days Gone. Yeah, God, that would be awesome. <laughs> no, Days Gone already looks fantastic on PS5. It's crazy. Make it look better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm hoping that someone out there is just like, The Order. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that was interesting um, for people who have modded PS4s, you know, there's a bunch of, oh, well, we want this. So they were able to make Bloodborne 60 frames per second yeah. on uh, PS4 if you have a modded one. Um, someone made <clears throat> the order be able to be played in full screen where there's no black bars. Oh, that's um, kind of neat. And that's cool. You know, that, it would just be cool to see that come back around. Like, I would always play with the black bars uh-huh. just because I like the visual look, but having a remaster come out with another you know order 1887 and then having <laughs> that come out and be this thing where it's like oh here we are and you have more control over the game would be interesting but your love of the never order gonna happen ne- it, it will never happen <laughs> <laughs> i was blown away that you let um blake get away with some uh, order slander in our discord chat oh you know i mean i saw him say that and i was like oh countdown to the brett train see the order is great <laughs> i gotta subvert expectations sometimes <laughs> so you'll let him say that uh, he wishes he never played that godforsaken game <laughs> yep but that's okay because this same man has made me watch some terrible <laughs> movies yeah one I'm can never forget terrible, bliss ma- <laughs> or irreversible oh, or anyway. house of a thousand 
Hey, now that was a fun episode. I, it's a fun episode. It's not a fun movie. <laughs> At least not also for me. a fun movie. <laughs> I don't like that movie. Hey, it's okay though, because the one thing we know is that you sent for baby. <laughs> I do send for. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, what can I say? All right, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, remember, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Hit us up in the Discord if you want to be part of the community's take and answer that question. It's always in the description below. You can find us on Twitter as well at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook by going to there and typing in Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast, and you'll find the group. If you ask to be entered in, we will gladly accept you in. Uh, and that's about all for us. So we'll see you next week. And I think Chris will still be joining me then, though Saul is on the upward train doing better. So for those of you who are not in the Discord, he had a blood clot in his lung, still does, working on getting it out. But he's in some uh, discomfort fairly often. So uh, best wishes with him <clears throat> for everyone who enjoys him on the show and just as a person in general. Don't be a butthole. We should People don't uh, need People we should do a nice um, transitionary episode of the three of us. And then that would actually be sick. I think I'll, we should do I'll that. I'll take I'll take my leave until someone else wants a break. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you're gonna have to do the same thing where you're frozen. Someone's like suddenly it's Where's like, oh. my triangle squared suit. <laughs> Get me my podcasting suit. <laughs> uh, all right, Chris. Thanks, man. And Thank lastly, you. big shout out to our patrons. And without further ado, I have completely screwed up. So that means further ado is going to be inbound here. Mm. Uh, I didn't pull the names up. Uh, can you believe it, Chris? I can't believe it. Can't believe it's not butter either. <clears throat> but no. without further ado, our patrons are Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Draco, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean Juan Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warpoint, Richard Schaefer, and Hammond Egger. Thank you all so much. <laughs> <laughs>